Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Today, we're discussing mortgage brokers and the misconceptions agents and the community might have about them. Today, I am here with John Sancilio. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes. And you are the owner of? Bay Mortgage. Bay Mortgage. So go ahead and introduce yourself so we can go ahead and get all the legal stuff out of the way and then we can get right into the conversation. All right. Well, I was born and raised here. Uh, My dad had a real estate company here for 35 years. Uh, So I grew up in real estate. Never became an agent though, huh? Uh, Actually, I did. You did? Oh, wow. See, I can't do your job. You can do my job though, right? (laughs) Well, not anymore. (laughs) But I just like the other side of the table better with the numbers. Uh, but my whole family's in real estate. Nice. Yeah. So I uh, I worked for a large bank uh, for six years, and it was a good ride. I liked it, uh, but I realized it wasn't the only way to do things. So I opened up my own company uh, in 2005. I've been doing. I've been in the industry for more than 24 years now. You're young, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just teasing you. Yeah. No. No comment. Uh, I do need, for compliance purposes, just to uh, share a couple of things. Our NMLS number is 466-694, and anyone can check and review the standing of any broker or lender or loan officer uh, at the following website. It's www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. And we're going to go ahead and have that printed in as well okay. on the uh, the topic notes. And NMLS stands for Nationwide Mortgage Licensing System. So, so is that like our DPOR where they, uh, uh, Department of Professional Occupation something or another, <laughs> where it, it sh- shows that we are in good standing, that we don't have any violations, things of that nature. Yes, it's part, it was part of the, I guess, cleanup, for lack of a better word, in the industry after the real estate meltdown. Mm-hmm. And everything's been standardized and... There's a nationwide registry. Does it have how long you've been a lender? Uh, I believe it does. It gives the history of the company and also information about the loan officers as That's well. really good to know. Yes, if it if is. somebody is getting referred to somebody, they want to make sure. I, I know I usually tell people, you know, check me out. Make sure that I've, I know what I'm doing. Make sure It's kind of like the, the BBB, Better Business Bureau, right. uh, for your industry. So. So today we're going to talk about, now I've been doing real estate for 14 years, and I'm going to go ahead and, and say the, the negative thing, because it is a misconception. Um, I have always suggested that my clients go to a primary lender. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the misconceptions of a broker um, and why you feel like sometimes that might be an advantage to a client. Um, so explain to me, what is a mortgage broker over a primary lender? Okay, the first comment I'd like to make uh, is there are very good lenders and very good brokers and very good loan officers that work for each of them. Absolutely. So that's the first I would agree thing. with that across okay. the board <laughs> right. with, with real estate. It's the person right. and the business at the same time. It, they're, they're not exclusive to each other and they're not intertwined to each other. you got to look at both. Right. And in any industry, there's good actors and bad actors. Mm-hmm. So obviously you want to stay away from the bad actors in anything that we're looking to get uh, as far as a product or a service from. Uh, The next comment that I'll make is I worked for the bank, uh, a large bank, for six years. And again, I had a great ride there, but I realized it wasn't the only way to do things. So I, I went from one end of the spectrum in a big corporate environment to where I'm at now, owning my own 
small local mortgage company as a broker. Okay, uh, The difference between mortgage broker and mortgage banker, a mortgage broker will originate and process the borrower's file and then the wholesale lender will approve and fund the loan. With a mortgage banker, the banker will originate, process, approve, and fund. They do the whole process. Mm -hmm. And some of the misconceptions have been in the past that if you work with a broker, he's a middleman, it's going to cost you more. Exactly. So you're going to tell me how that might not be the case. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> okay. And another misconception, I think, is that uh, the brokers uh, have extra fees. Mm -hmm. So, and that can be the case, but the important thing to do is to work with a professional, reputable, transparent broker. Mm -hmm. And these two misconceptions, they disappear. Gotcha. Okay? And if you'd like, I can explain how that is. Well, I usually tell my clients, if they are price comparing, they need to look at the lender charges only. Don't look at the bottom line because the bottom line is a lot of estimated fees that the that lender may not be in control of, such as how much title insurance is going to be or how much the title company or attorney charges for their processing. So when somebody is meeting with you, you're going to be able to show them if, you know, the lender pieces that you're in charge of and be able to help them compare apples to apples. Well stated. That's exactly right. Good. <laughs> you want to do the rest yeah, of Yeah, I will. <laughs> That's 14 years of experience. Well, the, the reality is, is I can't tell my client who they should use and who's going to be cheaper. And there's, there's a whole lot of things that go into getting a loan. Um, and the lender is only in charge of their piece of the puzzle. So in order to get an accurate depiction of what it's going to cost, they really need to look at just the lender side and not that bottom line. Right. And then they can, if they want, they can shop title companies and everybody else because all those fees are similar but fluid by a little bit. Right. So. No, I agree with what you said. And some of those fees are going to be what they're going to be regardless of who you use exactly. to obtain your mortgage. And even the appraisal and the credit report fees, I mean, they're third-party fees. So whether you're using a broker or a banker, uh, they are what they are typically. And right. with new compliance, the loan officer and the lender or broker can't even speak directly with the appraiser. We don't even know who the appraiser is going to be because the AMCs, the appraisal management companies, they're third-party companies, uh, the appraisal requests go through those uh, It's entities. like a lottery. Yes. It's basically a lottery that right. somebody else submits out. You guys just go ahead and say, hey, it's time for us to get an appraisal. This is the kind it's of loan ordered. we're using, and they... And it's handled through the AMC. Yeah, and that was the compliance stuff with the meltdown too, wasn't That's it? Correct. Just to kind of keep an arm's length transaction. There's no good old boy network behind the scenes. Exactly. So it's uh, it was set up with the understanding to pr better protect the consumer. the consumer. Gotcha. And a lot, like you said, a lot of those I see appraisals are well, they're upwards of four fifty five hundred now. They're yes. inching up a little bit. Typically, conventional is about four fifty, and your government loan will FHA is about five oh five. Yeah. And I remember when they were three fifty. Yes. <laughs> but they haven't gone up much over the years. If you if you look at it, in fairness to the appraisers. Yeah. And then with the AMC's coming on board, they now take a percentage of that. Gotcha. So and and VA by the way is about four fifty. So the point yeah. I was making. Uh, was with the AMCs. It's all pretty much standardized with the appraisal and the credit report as well, as well as the uh, other fees that you're talking about, like title fees, 
uh, and then of course the recording fees, tax stamps, those, those types of things. Yeah. So you're right. Where the client needs, if they want to shop, is they want to look at the rate. They want to look at are there any points associated with it. Uh, what I always like to point out to the client is not just that, but look to see if there's a lender credit. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, somewhere some. This is an area that I think mortgage brokers do shine, and I'd be happy yeah. to get into that. Yeah, let's now. go ahead and talk okay. about the 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 flexibility of a mortgage broker. Sometimes they have a little bit more latitude of being able to move the numbers around uh, for the consumer, especially if the, if this is a uh, a consumer who has bought and sold many times, they understand the way math works. Um, maybe they need a little bit of extra money or they, they, they qualify for a slightly higher interest rate. So go ahead and talk about what that means as a broker. Um, we're not going to focus on primary lenders anymore because I'm sure they have their own way of doing it. But what can you do for a customer who needs a mortgage cre- uh, uh, what is it, a lender credit? Okay, well, I'll, I'll give an example, a couple different examples. Uh, I always like to compare when I was working for a lender versus what I'm doing now as a broker. Uh, Again, lenders, there's great lenders, but it's not the only way to do things. Mm -hmm. So the flexibility to me empowers my clients, and and I like giving them that flexibility. Here's a specific example. When I worked at the bank, it was in this building, by the way, Um, sometimes they would turn the spigots on and off for certain programs. So if I had a client that wanted, let's say, uh, a 15-year mortgage, and let's say the bank didn't have an appetite for that, uh, they might uh, increase the pricing slightly to deter uh, getting those types of loans in their portfolio for a month or two or three or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, That frustrated me because I didn't have anywhere else to turn to help my client. So as a broker, when you're dealing with several different wholesale lenders, I get to pick and choose who's got the best pricing. I have several different sources of funds. So depending on what the client wants and needs, I match that up. Mm-hmm. And here's a specific example, a client of mine, a recent example, last month wanted a 20-year fixed mortgage. And one of our wholesalers was particularly aggressive and was offering a below market rate. So I set the loan up through that wholesaler and my client closed with a fantastic rate. So that's an example of the flexibility that empowers the client. So a, a primary lender, say, will have five different ways they can write a loan. A mortgage broker could potentially have 20 different ways to help that client get what they need. So they just have a lot more latitude and flexibility, especially if you have a unique situation. Um, it's not your A paper standard across the board, or maybe it is an A paper buyer who is looking for a unique product. That's true. So you can, yeah. so you can service a lot more different types of funding options. Yes. Okay. Depending on the wholesale lenders that a broker has. So let's talk a little bit about, like we talked about the lender themselves over the company. Now we talked about what a mortgage broker can do, but let's talk about you um, and what makes your ability as a, as a um, smaller mortgage company or mortgage broker, why should somebody come and talk to you over somebody else? So tell me about John. That's a good question. Uh, I think that we offer a powerful combination of three things that I look around and a lot of our colleagues, you know, may offer one or two of them. Uh, but there, there aren't a lot, I don't think, that offer all three. And, and those three, in my mind, are competitive pricing, experience, and a good service platform. And I'd like to take a, mm-hmm. a few minutes on each one if I could. Yeah. The first one's the competitive pricing. 
we're, we deal with wholesale pricing not available to the general public. Because we're a small local company, our operating costs are a lot less than a lot of our colleagues. Because of that, we can earn a smaller percentage for each loan compared to the industry norm. There's a specific percentage that banks and lenders earn. And they're not required to disclose that, by the way. As a broker, we are dis required to disclose that. And I like it because it, it makes us shine. Mm -hmm. So we're lower on our compensation, which translates to the customer, to the client, as a better rate or a bigger lender credit to apply to their closing costs, or sometimes even a combination of both. It's almost like the difference between um, a strong uh, business who hires a lot of employees, gives a lot of benefits, and has a lot of bells and whistles. They have to charge a certain amount because they are providing all of these services to their employees, where a mom and pop may be able to give their employees a lot more money or more latitude because they don't have so many expenses that they have to, to push out. I always say it's the difference between Paramount Builders and the smaller handyman who's just trying to feed their family. Right. He's able to offer a little less. Uh, it, it doesn't cost as much, but he's still able to make enough money to take care of his family. Doesn't have to charge for all the big billboards and advertising and everything else to drum up business. Would that be an accurate kind of yes. boiling it down a little bit more and, of an analogy? And, you know, the larger lenders that have a lot uh, that have a, a huge marketing department and other departments. They provide a great service. It's a, it's a successful mm -hmm. model. They provide a lot of good things, but it's not the only way to do things. Right. And we found that uh, borrowers that have been through the process once or twice or so and are familiar with the differences actually prefer working with a broker because of the three things that I was mentioning earlier. So we talked about one. What's the second one that you... The second one is experience. Uh, we have a very seasoned team. I've been, as I mentioned, doing this over 24 years and grew up in the industry. Uh, our processor has more than 30 years experience in processing and underwriting and even managing processors and underwriters. So our clients, uh, they're being uh, helped by uh, a loan officer and a processor that knows the business that can navigate through things if things pop up. So a little less likely to get a uh-oh right. a week before closing. We hate 11th hour surprises. Yeah. I would not stay in the business <laughs> if that were the norm. Well, I, I tell my clients that the, the industry is kind of like a doctor and a physician's assistant. The physician's assistant, unfortunately, is going to be you, John, <laughs> because the doctor is really your underwriter and your processor. They're the ones that take all the information that you put together. You create a nice package. You present, basically, that package to the processor and the underwriter. And, well, the underwriter is really the doctor because they're the one that says, yep, you can have your money. Um, but it's it's almost like a two-part. So if, you're, if your physician's assistant slash loan officer is very good at putting all of the information in the chart, they're very good at checking everything off, they're very good at presenting this so that when it gets to the underwriter, it makes it a lot easier for them to go, yep, everything's in order, we don't have any surprises, you've given me a full package. Exactly right. And the way I always like to say that to my clients is, you know, since we, we've been in the business a long time, we know what the underwriters are looking for. Mm -hmm. So when I originate and when the process of processes, we really have our underwriters hat on. And what we ask for up front, the way we structure that loan is based on, okay, the underwriter, based on this file and what this client has, 
they're going to probably want this, this, and this, or ask about this. So we try to dot the I's up front, get the client over the hump quickly in the beginning so that there aren't 11th hour surprises. Right. Every once in a while, things happen. That's well, life. a program can change. But uh, as long as it's the exception and not the norm, then right. I'm happy with it. So we really try to get things done quickly up front so that it's a more pleasant experience for the client, mm-hmm. and they just glide through to closing. Well, that kind of falls in line to the third thing that you talked about, just really good customer service, You know, making sure that your client doesn't get frustrated at the very end, that you kind of front end some of these situations and issues. Um, when we talked previous getting ready for this, you know, some of the things that are important is a live person on the phone. Yes. So you want to kind of go into that a little bit on the personal side of what they can expect because, you know, there's a lot of online dot coms, you know, and they may, again, provide a decent product. But for somebody who needs a little more handholding, a little more across the table, a handshake and face to face, that's something that you can provide them. Well, the service piece of what we do, it, it is very important. Because to me, you have to really combine all three of these things. And one or two, it's fine, but all three really provides a superior experience for the client. And it is all about the client. Uh, What we do is what I would want if I were on the other side of the table looking for a product or service. When I call, I do want someone to answer the phone. So when when people call our company, the vast majority of the time, they are going to get a live voice. And then if they do have to leave a message, we do return our calls timely. Uh, I think that's key. Also, we are very big on open lines of communication. So if there's something going on, we're going to reach out to the client. We're going to reach out to our partners like the realtor or whomever. So I think that's key. Uh, For the client, we will contact them once we have the approval, which we typically can get within one to two business days, which I understand is very quick compared to a lot of our colleagues. And then when the appraisal comes in, we reach out to the client, tell them that. When they're clear to close, we tell them that. Uh, and we review the final figures with them prior to their closing just to ensure that the numbers are in order and give them peace of mind before they sit down to close. Uh, another thing that we do is we, prov- we try to attend all of our closings as a courtesy. We're not needed, but we do like to attend those closings to give our clients an additional peace of mind. Well, you know, you've been there from from the beginning, so it's it. I always say the first and the last meetings, it's the first impression and the last impression is what you know the client remembers the most. The journey sometimes gets a little muddled. So, a couple other things, if if I may, uh, just real quickly, uh, another area that I think we really separate ourselves from some others is when it comes time to lock the loan in. We pride ourselves on fully educating our clients about what's going on in the interest rate market. We have a weekly newsletter on our website. Uh, comes out every Friday. It, it tells you what happened last week with interest rates and what's on tap this week. It covers fundamentals and technicals. I tell my clients, um, it's too much information for some, not enough for others. Pull out what you want. And then in addition to that, we get daily updates that I share with my clients when I know they're in, within their window of locking. And my goal is to, to show them things, fundamentals and technicals. And, for example, fundamentals might be a jobs report or uh, consumer price indexes coming out, CPI. And then technicals, it's an example, is you've got Japanese uh, candlestick charts where you have uh, lines of resistance and support with, like, 25, 50, or 100-day moving average, a, 
a Fibonacci Fibonacci retracement level. They don't need to oh know all goodness. that. Oh my goodness, that sound like it sounds like <laughs> Latin. <laughs> yeah. They don't need to know all I'm that. I'm glad you know that because right. as an agent, I don't want to know that. <laughs> right, and, and I only share you know as much as the client wants to hear. Yeah, you know because I don't want to bore them and I don't want to waste their time. But you want to give them confidence that you know what you're looking at when that time comes. Right, so I share that information with them, and the the, the technicals can really it's fascinating in, in the absence, especially of fundamental news. It can sometimes clearly show a, a trend of what's happening, where the rates are going in the short term and sometimes even longer term. It's not perfect, but it's right more than it's wrong. So at the end of the day, when the client's looking to lock, they're fully informed. Mm -hmm. And that's just one additional way that we like to think we walk the walk on the service piece of what we do. Well, that ending, I don't think I could top because you sounded like you were talking Latin to me, but that is why you're a professional when it comes to lending and I'm a professional when it comes to uh, helping with a contract and locating a property. So, John, this was actually really interesting. It helped me understand that, you know, there is a place for mortgage brokers and to not just choose primary lenders all the time um, because, you know, I may actually be under... Uh, I may be hurting my clients by not giving them that opportunity to seek out maybe a different program um, that could be beneficial to them. I think with the overhaul of the loan industry, my misconception about mortgage brokers um, was that problem. And now that they have resolved a lot of that and made it more transparent, I think consumers um, might appreciate the opportunity to understand you know, something else that might help them. So... Thank you. It was a uh, it was nice to understand this. Now, is there any final closing conversation that you want to share? Um, we're going to put your address and how to contact you in the show notes, um, and that way people can grab that if they have more questions. Yes, um, our website is thebayway.com, and our email is info at thebayway.com, and our phone number is 410-9963. I know you're going to put that in Yes, there. we are. And you're located in Town Center, uh, which is right near Pembroke Mall, the whole right. region of Town Center growing up. And you are in the BB&T building, right, one right across Center. one Columbus Center, right across from... Um, the Art Institute. Now, I'm in the same building, and I always say BB&T, not because I want my clients to go there, but it is the one that's plastered at the very top. Yeah, I don't uh, have any problems saying that to my clients. You won't see your name, nor will you see Keller Williams' names on the top of this building, but if you can find the Hilton Garden, we're in the 11-story building right across, and you're on the sixth floor, right? Correct. Okay. And i just like to say, I'd like to end by saying it's been a, bit, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And I want to congratulate you uh, Allison, on your continued success in your industry and with Keller Williams. Yeah.